0: You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL podcast. You can find me at WilliamsonNFL. How's everyone this fine Monday? Um, I got Steelers OTAs the next three days, but I still think we'll be cool with Twitter Tuesday and Schofield and Sando and all that good stuff. And... We have a member of the fellow Locked On Network here, but before we get there, and I'm brought to you by Blue Chew today, I'll introduce you to him in a second, but I want to tell you a little bit about the Himalaya app. I've told you about them before. Uh, it's free. It's super easy to use. It has every single podcast you love and are searching for, including this one, of course. Uh, find and download the Himalaya app on the App Store or Google Play Store. Don't forget to follow Locked On NFL and Locked On Chargers once you're there. And once you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast, Locked On NFL, as well as Locked On Chargers. And so, yes, that's the reveal. John Kegley from Locked On Chargers joins me for the first time and long overdue. John, how are you, dude? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it because I have a lot of strong takes on the Chargers. First of all, I think they have the best roster in their division maybe in
0: the AFC overall. I would agree with that. There's a lot of people that uh, have put articles out that have said the Chargers have the best roster in the NFL, even above, that. like, Rams and stuff like that. So I can see where you're coming from. I would agree with it. With how stacked we are everywhere, this uh, this roster is built for the playoffs. I, the problem I have is the offensive line. I don't think that's where... We're strong, even the defensive line. Even though we just got Jerry Tillery, that's still the question. But offensive line is the biggest question, so that's where I would say that's where it goes from being a playoff roster to being a Super Bowl roster. Yeah, it's on my list of things to discuss,
1: and it is my biggest concern as well. And we will get to that here in a moment. But there's a couple more abstract things with this with this team that scares me. And uh, there's a lot of positive I'm going to bring up, but I started by saying it's a great roster. But historically, special teams has always kind of let this team down. And I will concede it was better last year. But it's been a trend over the Rivers era. And I think it's been something that's held him back more than people realize. And maybe more than that, and an easier thing to put my finger on, is the lack of a home field advantage is a massive obstacle for this team.
0: Well, the talk about home field advantage... um... I wouldn't say it's completely an obstacle the, even when they were in San Diego, there was always more of the opposing fans than there was the home field fans unless it was the two thousand and six or two thousand and seven season when they went two thousand when they went fourteen and two or when they went eleven and five and were making their way towards the a f c championship but other than that, it has always been the opposing fans there, so I would say that home field advantage isn't really the worry. I would say the only thing. That bothers the players would be hey we're at our own home field but no one's showing up for us so i felt like in the beginning that was something that bothered them and made them a little bit depressed and they had a better road record which i think has to go towards that fact that there's no home field fans but when you're on the road you know you're going up against all the other team's fans and you're you feel like it's you against the world and that motivates you and i think that's why they play better on the road but at home I don't think it really is much of a difference. Cause even if they say, let's say they had that whole stadium full of charger fans, it's still not that loud to make that home field advantage. Yeah. I mean, I hear what you're saying. My, my point is though,
1: if I'm any team in the league, I'd much rather go to LA to play the chargers than Kansas city to play the chiefs or Denver to play the Broncos or the black hole. Even, I mean, those are difficult, difficult places to play. And, I mentioned it, with. I bring things back to the Steelers too often, but the Steelers are going to L.A. this year to play the Chargers, and it's going to be feel like a home game for Pittsburgh.
0: It's no different than what it was in San Diego, as I brought up before. I guess, I, to, I guess you're right, yeah. It hasn't changed that much. I went much. to the Chargers-Steeler game in San Diego when they were here, and the stadium was at least 97% Steeler fans. When Le'Veon <laughs> Bell scored the yeah. game-winning touchdown, the whole stadium jumped in the air. It was like everyone was... A flash mob and jumped in the air. It was very few Charger fans. It's going to be the same thing there. And I even tried to get myself a ticket early, but I know they're going to get more expensive as we go on. The cheapest ticket already on StubHub, Ticketmaster, wherever you go, is already at like three hundred something dollars. Wow, that doesn't surprise me.
1: When you get them, send them here, and I'll send them. I'll I'll, I'll shop them around my neighborhood. We'll make a good buck on it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's how it's done around here.
1: Yeah. Let's talk Philip Rivers a little bit here. I mean, there's pretty much over his career, I have been a massive Rivers supporter. I've gone so far as to say that I think he's the most underrated player of this generation. And I think over the last few years, he's starting to get his due. So I'm not sure that he falls under that criteria anymore. But I also think that a little too much is asked of him. And... Part of that is comes back to the O-line conversation, which we'll certainly get to, and part of it is just that as good as he has been this past year, I felt like when it mattered most on the road late in the year, he started to look like an older quarterback. And to no fault of his own, I just think that too much is on his plate when you compare him to... Breeze, Ben, Brady, and the wear and tear on his body and having to make huge throw after huge throw is a lot to ask for a quarterback of that
0: age. Well, the thing I would argue is it's also that offensive line, as you brought up, when he actually sit in the pocket and let plays develop. When we saw that in the beginning of the year, when they actually looked pretty good, the offensive line did, that is. He was completing some passes here and there, and it was gaining yards up the field, and eventually that big play came. But later on during the year, when the offensive line was getting beat up, there was guys already in Rivers' face. The Kansas City oh, game in Kansas City, for example, Chris Jones was in Rivers' face within like half a second, and he has to hurry up and throw that somewhere. So I wouldn't say it's so much age. I would say it's the team around him that sometimes affects him. Compared to the past years, he's actually looked a lot better with decision-making and making his throws. Even two years ago, the first year in L.A., he was just throwing the ball deep whenever he could. Even if it was in triple coverage, he was doing it because he felt he had to make that play. Even if the game's only a four-point game, he felt like he had to make that play. And then if you want to go to even the Mike McCoy era, everybody gave up on Mike McCoy. So Phillip Rivers had to do something with that ball. So he threw a lot of picks. He threw a lot of jump balls to try to make something happen. It just wasn't happening with Mike McCoy's way of coaching and his way of being around the players. So I would argue that I don't think it's age. I think it's just the team around him or the coaches around him. He even brought up special teams earlier where like Donnie Jones was not given that good of a punt game last year for us. So the defense already had their back on their heels, but if they made a stop, Rivers was already backed up on his own goal line because that bad punting that happened. This year we're going to probably have Tyler Newsome from Notre Dame. He's going to be the new punter. And he's a young guy, so that's probably new hope for us. Can't be much worse than Donnie Jones, honestly. So I would argue it's the team around him.
1: Yeah, I, I lean that way too. And maybe it came out of my mouth a little bit wrong because I am a huge River supporter. Um, I, And he will never go down without a fight. I mean, he's going to stay in the pocket as long as he possibly can. He's going to take the big hit. If it calls for it, he's going to put the football in harm's way. If they're down and they have to win, he's the ultimate competitor. And just one more special teams note really, over the last half dozen years or so, Mike Sando brings this up a lot, who's my guest on Thursdays. That according to like ESPN's rankings and Football Outsiders' rankings, they're almost always at the bottom of the league. And we've had some really poor field goal kicking over the last few years. Not as bad lately, you know, not as bad last year. You mentioned the punting. Those things are hard to overcome if you're any quarterback. And it's, you know, bad O line play, and bad special teams. Puts him in a hole an awful lot.
0: Yeah, to give some examples of it, um, we can go to 2010, I think it was, when we were leading the league and blocked punts was just within the first six weeks. And even though Rivers was putting up maybe 34, 27 points, somewhere around there, the bad punting, the punts blocked, whatever you want to call it, was giving the other team's offense a 20-yard field to work with, a 30-yard yeah. field to work with. So even though Rivers was putting up 34 points, the defense is giving up points because they don't have a field to work with. And then last year you brought up the field goal kicking. Caleb Sturgis was just horrible. He's missing extra points left and right, missing field goals. I remember in Seattle, I was in Seattle for the game, and I saw Rivers on one of the replays doing his little head shake and all upset when Caleb Sturges <laughs> yeah. missed another extra point. And I'm just like, when is this guy going to be gone? We had Michael Badgley for there for a little while, and he was doing good. And once we kept him, field goals improved greatly. So field goals probably won't be a problem next year, and hopefully punting's not either. But you brought up stuff like offensive line. If we had an offensive line that could run, like when LT was here, remember Rivers didn't have to put a lot on his shoulders back then. It was yeah. let LT run the ball. We could let Melvin Gordon run the ball and Austin Eckler. And then Rivers can throw a pass here and there to keep linebackers and the team honest. And it takes stuff off of Rivers' shoulders, but we haven't had that running game.
1: No, you're 100% right. And folks, let's take a quick break here. And and guys, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? I'm sure you do. And probably plenty of you still are, but still listen up. You can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. You Go to bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready when the opportunity arises. I never understood a pill, folks. I mean, mean, hey, we'll make a date for an hour from now once this pill kicks in. That doesn't work for me. Um, Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any of you who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. So and this is a favor I need all of you to do. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free. All it costs you is 5 bucks with our promo code locked on all one word, B-L-U-E-Chew.com, Promo code locked on to try this product free. It's wonderful. It's the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them very much for sponsoring the podcast. All right. We are back. And sticking on the offensive side of the ball, I did want to talk about two skill position guys with you, John. Hunter Henry's return is gigantic for me. I think this is a great young player on the verge of a massive breakout and maybe a perennial Pro Bowl type of guy. And Mike Williams to me is kind of been forgotten a little bit. I mean, this was a very early pick who's very talented, and maybe he hasn't had the volume because of the you know Keenan Allen and all the other guys around them. But I think he has star potential too.
0: Well, you mentioned that he's been forgotten, but there was a um, there was an article by Chargers Wire in USA Today that brought up some Pro Football Focus stats, and one of those stats they brought up was Mike Williams. And it had to do with his intermediate routes grade. He had a uh, 68.6% intermediate catch rate last year, which is pretty good. It was the 10th best, I believe, if they said it was, in the league, according to Pro Football Focus. So this guy is going to be catching those 10 to 15, even 20-yard routes, which means you can get first downs on third down, which keeps drives alive and Usually when guys are like that, they don't really get the recognition they deserve because they just catch maybe a few passes a game to complete those third downs since you don't complete 13 third downs a game. So guys like Keenan Allen who are completing a first down slant for a first down or catching those toe-dragging touchdowns, or even Travis Benjamin and Tyrell Williams last year that were catching the deep touchdowns, they're getting all the credit. But Mike Williams is being recognized on Pro Football Focus for catching these intermediate routes, which are third-down situation type of routes. And then with Hunter Henry coming back this year, he could probably be that guy as well, if not help open up Mike Williams even more by drawing some double teams or even short routes like, Hunter, like Antonio Gates would do. Antonio Gates would just do a quick little out and hook and two guys would get on him, and that would open up another wide receiver. So Hunter Henry could be that focus too, including hitting a seam route over the middle to get Hunter Henry into space and running. Yeah, I think that's well said, because I think Henry brings that vertical
1: dynamic that was missing you know, in, since Gates' is prime, which was a couple of years back, of course. But I also think he brings reliability, not to the Gates Rivers mind meld that they had. But I do think that they can really develop something together a rapport, a chemistry. And you mentioned Williams as a deep to inter- intermediate to deep threat. I think that's a great complement to what Allen brings. But I also think all three of these guys aren't limited to the roles I mentioned. I think they can bring a lot to the table. And if you try to take away their forte, I think they can beat you playing left-handed, so to speak.
0: They basically could. Yeah, In
1: they're really the talented. That
0: we, the fact that we're going to have some other guys on this team that are undrafted free agents that have a chance to make this roster is something that makes me feel a little bit hopeful that we're going to find that new future star. Like we got Tyrell Williams. As an undrafted free agent, we just signed Fred Trevillian from San Diego State who runs somewhere in the 4.440s in the 40-yard dash and is a great deep threat who could be the next Travis Benjamin, maybe Tyrell Williams type of guy, that deep threat receiver type Mm -hmm. said he probably would be more willing to take contact compared to Travis Benjamin. He's not going to run out of bounds after a five-yard catch like Travis does or return a punt backwards like Travis did. So. Trevilian could be a guy that we could maybe see on this roster that if one of these guys was to go down, he's the new guy. And with all this talent we have, like you said, playing left-handed, you could have young guys coming up too that are going to be the future and become even better. The only question now is who's going to be that quarterback in the future to play with these young guys?
1: Yeah, and I feel like – The signing of Tyrod Taylor basically said that's going to have to wait another day. You know, that if if Rivers goes down, we're at least competitive for a little while with Tyrod. Maybe that every year you talk about when are you going to find the quarterback of the future and uh, you pick late in the round, those things are hard to do and I feel like they just have to wait down the road because we're a contender and so be it and Someday, like the Giants, that bottom will fall out and we'll deal with it then. But in the meantime, we're going to ride the guy we got.
0: Well, we did get Easton Stick, who compared yeah, he's to the interesting. other fourth, fifth, sixth round guys you've gotten like the Brad Sorensons and all those guys. He actually looks pretty decent on film and on paper. This guy has a great in-the-pocket passer rating. He was one of the top ones in college football last year. You just don't hear about him because he's an FCS, not an FBS. And he can move out of the pocket. He can be that rollout guy. He can use his legs. He doesn't. He's no Michael Vick or Cam Newton, but he can still be a mobile quarterback, which is something we're lacking. So could Issa Stick probably be that future guy? He could be. He couldn't be. But he is someone that you should watch. And if you like him in preseason, he could stick around for a little while and be that next guy for Rivers to teach up. Stick is interesting, and let's talk about the draft
1: class here in the next segment here real quick. But I think he you might even be selling him short as an athlete. I mean, I think he could have some Taysom Hill to Drew Brees qualities, and I have mixed feelings about that usage because I don't want the ball ever not snapped to Drew Brees or Phillip Rivers, but I think he's tough, smart, and athletic like Hill. He took over for Carson Wentz, won a ton of games, it's just something to file back in your memory that don't be shocked if he carries the ball here and there early in his career and you just find a way to use him. You know, and so I really like that pick. I don't know that he'll ever be Rivers successor as sit in the pocket and gun the ball all over the field, big strong arm strapping guy like Rivers, but I do think Stick could help sooner than later possibly.
0: Probably more of a Russell Wilson type, I would yeah. I would say. With his with his height and his ability to roll out of the pocket and use his legs, I'd say he'd be more of the Russell Wilson type compared to the Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers type that sits in the pocket and guns it left and right. I think he's going to be that guy that makes a handoff, sits in the pocket, and then if nothing's there within the first two seconds, he rolls out and now he can see up and down the field because he doesn't have these seven-foot offensive linemen in his way and he can make the play outside the pocket. I think he'd be that type of guy.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's far-fetched either. And again, very successful, lower-level competition. Um, wouldn't ha- surprise me if he's active on game day and maybe even helps on special teams, you know, some of those type of things. We'll see. I mean, I'm kind of uh, a little far-fetched on that, on that take on him. But we're going to talk about this rookie class here in a moment to finish up the uh, the podcast. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about Grip6 Belts. Today's show is brought to you by Grip6 Ultra Lightweight with no holes, no flap, and it's a great Father's Day gift to go give Grip6. Um, Grip6 has a special offer for you at Grip6.com slash lock, L-O-K-E, after the founder of the Locked On Network. That's Grip6.com slash lock. All right, John, we are back, and again, I'm critical of... And it's easy to sit here at my bar Monday afternoon and say, boy, the Chargers should have done more to help their offensive line. That being said, taking Jerry Tillery at 28 and then the Sear Adderley at 60, I mean, to me, to almost complete this defense and make it even stronger up the middle when it was so good on the edges to begin with, I can't be critical of those two selections but in an overview, if you see what I'm saying, I would have loved to seen him go O-line early and often, but not at the expense of taking Tellery or Adderley.
0: You know what I'm saying? So I'm kind of talking about both sides of my mouth. Well, I was in that same situation because when we were doing our uh, mock drafts for the show, I wanted them to take Cody Ford, but I was saying on the show, I was like, I don't think... Cody Ford is going to be in the first round. But if he is, I think you got to take him. Because I thought Jerry Tillery is going to get picked before us as well. And in the end, Cody Ford fell deep into the second second round. And I'm thinking, we could trade up and get this guy. And But Nazir Adderley was probably going to get picked before he gets to us. So we got to go Cody Ford. But then Adderley fell all the way to us as well. So now you're just, okay, which one do we do here? Do we take offensive line or go Adderley? But you cannot argue with those picks. Even though I did hear today that Azir Adderley has an undisclosed injury, so I'm waiting to hear more on that. Hmm, I didn't so hear that. That, that might explain that is, why you lost to 60. Yeah, that already worries me right there. But Tillery, as we just lost Darius Phylon is a great pickup. with athletic defensive tackle, we needed that, especially since we were pretty bad at stopping the run up the middle. Now we have Thomas Davis, our the veteran linebacker, to help out. We should be really good. I stopped in the run now with that draft pick. And Nazir Adderley, we needed a safety. We needed that free safety to take over Jalila Dye's spot. We be kind of, because Jalila Dye was a weakness. So it is a great pick. My thing is we did go offensive line third round. But the guy they went with was Trey Pipkins, which is a pick I do not like.
1: Yeah, we'll get to him here in a minute. And it's funny, because you happened to bring up Chris Jones earlier in the show for the Chiefs up-and-coming star I see a lot of Jones in Tillery. I mean, long, huge hands, long arms, highly disruptive, athletic, good change of direction, interior pass rush. You already got the edge pass rushers. So I think he's an instant impact guy. And Adderley, I think he'll be the free safety to complement Derwin so Derwin can stay closer to the line of scrimmage. But I also think Adderley, he has some corner traits could come down and, and cover the slot if need be. He could be man coverage guy. I think he's more than just a deep center field player.
0: He, he definitely could be a more than a deep center field player, but he's what we need is a deep center field player. Yes, That's what yes. we need to put him at. We already have Casey Hayward, Desmond King, Trevor Williams, even Michael Davis improved last year. He got really good after he learned to turn his head around on deep passes. Now you have Derwin James to be up at the line and stop the run or even bail out and stop some passes. So now you just missed that free safety guy. So I think you, ha- you have no choice but to put him there. But say a young rising star, I like say Rashad Jenkins, shows some traits of being that free safety and you want to move Azir Adderley around a little bit to try some stuff out. You could do that. If somebody gets hurt, you can use him there if it's a glaring weakness. But as of right now, he needs to be that free safety guy. And he could maybe even be... A kick returner, but hearing about an injury now now I'm kind of skeptical on whether to even put him in that situation to get hurt on a kickoff.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. But he is known as an exceptional special teamer. Um the the trend of the draft to me was getting athletic playmakers up the middle of the defense. Talked about Tillery, talked about Adderley, who probably play a lot of deep middle. Uh Drew Tranquil can also really, really want run a super duper athlete for his position too in the fourth round. Um, probably doesn't have to play right away. And I also like Broughton a lot, the defensive tackle from Cincinnati, who's more of a also upfield three technique. I mean, he's shorter, doesn't look like Tillery, but I thought that was a steal in the last for their last pick.
0: And I, before I talk about him, I want to give credit to our co-host on Lockdown Chargers, Daniel Wade, who actually predicted that the Chargers would get him in the seventh round. Oh, really? So we'll give I want to give a props that we, were t- we brought up a uh, draft profile on him. We were talking about some guys we think could be a guy to draft, and Wade said he would be a guy that we could get, and we ended up getting him. So I agree with you. He is an absolute steal. This is a powerful guy. He could be that type of guy that you say, hey, you take this gap and you explode through it. That is your only job. You do it, and he will do it. And that could do something as small as make a running back, change direction real quick and let everybody else catch up to him, or even make that running back – run backwards, and you, everyone catches up to him. Something like that could be so simple to disrupt the play, and he can do it. And you got him in the seventh round, and you brought up Tranquil as well. With how athletic he is, he could be the new Tatavis Brown when he first came into the league. Tatavis Brown was really good at covering the passes before he got that injury he took a few steps back. But he could be that guy, and we just got rid of Kyle Emanuel, who was not that great at covering in space. He could probably take Kyle Emanuel's spot and improve that greatly.
1: Yeah, and let's wrap this thing up, John. But again, yes, they did draft a tackle. Maybe he's a better prospect than I knew because, frankly, I didn't know much about Trey Pipkins coming from a tiny school until the Chargers pulled the trigger on him with the 91st pick overall. But to put it kindly, this one's going to take some time if he pays off.
0: Yeah, he is definitely a developmental guy. Yeah. I actually read someone that he's supposed to be our future or backup left tackle. So that alone bothers me because our weakness is right tackle with Sam Tevi, or mm-hmm. your left guard with Dan Feeney. Those two positions are They've what you rough. need to fix. Yeah. And you instead put, make a backup left tackle behind our strongest offensive lineman, Russell Kuhn. So that makes no sense to me at all. And this guy played for a small school. Yeah, he looked really good in the senior bowl and in some senior bowl workouts during the practices leading up to the senior bowl. But he's also a guy that's going to be pretty slow and not used to NFL type speed. And it wasn't a guy exactly we needed. And if you were going to get him, if say you, the Chargers thought, Hey, this guy's pretty good. We could probably develop him. You should have got him in the later rounds. I don't think anybody was even looking at this guy in the third round. And the Chargers do have a history of drafting some pretty bad third rounders. So I'm wondering if he's the next guy that's going to be that bad third round pick.
1: Yeah, it scares me, too. I mean, again, I love them going offensive line there after the two studs they took, but he wouldn't have been my choice. Or trade up for Ford and mortgage the future a little bit. I mean, to be a little more aggressive, um, just kind of sitting back and taking a developmental tackle would not have been the move I would have made there. But overall, I like their draft, uh, as we talked about. John, can you tell everyone where they can find you besides the Locked On Chargers podcast? And then we're going to wrap up the show, man.
0: Well, you could find me on Twitter. It's uh, kind of hard to spell, but it's pronounced at biggest charger fan. But basically, the word biggest has one g, and the word fan has no a. So, biggest wow, charger okay. fan. Okay. Twitter. Yeah, there you have it. Um, <laughs> it wouldn't let me use that many letters, so I had to improvise. I see what you're saying. Well, okay,
1: creative. And again, everyone needs to subscribe to the Locked On Chargers Network. Check out that Himalaya app to do it. Um, that is a wrap. Get your get me your Twitter Tuesday questions. As is the case pretty much in the offseason, we're going to do Twitter Tuesday every week. Uh, Those have been really popular shows. And follow me at WilliamsonNFL to get those to me. That is a wrap over and out.